Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We have a guest speaker with us, and we hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, we are really glad to have uh, Anthony and Heather tomorrow with us. Since 2009, they have been serving at FSU and, and Chi Alpha, and it's a college ministry they'll tell you all about. They became the directors in 2012, uh, but they are committed to college age and young adults. And again, it is a It is probably one of the, if it's not the most challenging demographic to reach for the gospel, it is one of the most challenging demographics. And we are thankful on a monthly basis. We are supporting Anthony and Heather and have done that. And I want you to know that when you give your faith promise offering, give your missions offering, man, there is a full-time ministry presence on the campus of Florida State University. And they've done a phenomenal job and they are friends of our church. And would you make welcome to Generations Church, Anthony and Heather tomorrow. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Good morning. I am excited to be here with you. I'm excited to share uh, what the Lord has been doing in Chi Alpha, what the Lord is doing in me, in us. Uh, And I say us because of this, and this is something that I've learned a long time ago. Every student that we reach, if you give to faith, your faith promise, you give to missions, you're in that investment of reaching out to college students, many of whom uh, are solidifying the most important decisions of their life. And even uh, it's one of the last moments that a lot of people choose to become a Christian in their life. Over 80% of the church comes to know Jesus and gives their all to Jesus uh, right around the time and just after college. And so the investment of every student, we're going to show some pictures, uh, that you see is part of your labor. It's part of your fruit. They will know eternity with God as they continue to prove faithful in serving Him. Uh, We could not have done that without you. So these are not just pictures. Uh, These are your, this is your investment into the gospel going forward around the world. Does that make sense? Because we don't know what these students will do. And so I believe we have the first picture of our family. This was last year. Um, that's our family. My wife Heather's here on the front row. My daughter Maddie's in, in kids' church, and she is loving it. I know she's a she's a party. Uh, and so last year, uh, Heather and I took, uh, or two years ago, we took a time. We went out to Texas. We did some additional training. Just uh, got encouraged. You know, when you serve the Lord, and additional training comes up, it, it's a blessing. And so this is what happened when we went away and came back. Apparently, college students graduate. And when we came back, the majority of our Chi Alpha graduated or moved on. And and here's the reality and how quickly the turnover is with college students. Uh, If you go to a community college and you come to FSU, you're you're at FSU for about two years. And so with the majority of students, I have two years or less uh, to meet them, introduce them to Jesus, disciple them, and send them out. So when we took a year off, Everyone that we met the year that we were there is, for the most part, graduated. And so if you go to that next picture, when we came back, this is the beginning of last year, uh, we had four committed college students 
that were excited to preach the gospel, to lead discipleship groups. And then there's Heather and I and Cassie who was on staff with us that year. And it was a phenomenal time. And the Lord started, we kind of revamped our own ministry. And so we moved from those four students, outreaches, service, events, evangelism, uh, the crop of students that we moved. The next picture will be the student leaders that in those small groups that we started to raise. So we started to multiply and challenge students to to get some uh, skin in the game when it came to discipling and reaching FSU for Jesus. How do you reach 40,000 students? As one missionary, I can't do it. As one church, uh, we need to come together. As the body of Christ, we have to come together and God will transform the world. All of us are needed. So when you give your faith promise, it helps me go on campus, but I'm not reaching that whole campus. Christians that come to know the Lord or are committed to the Lord beforehand, man, may they get activated in their faith to witness and see a crop develop and multiply. That's how the church grows, you know what I'm saying? Jesus says that we have to be witnesses. You guys with me? Am I making sense? So, uh, so that was our student leaders, and they were doing, we multiplied this year. Yes, COVID hit us a little bit, and some leaders haven't come back, but this is what I know. The church is not over. Uh, discipleship will continue, and a lot of our groups that we have this year uh, are still growing. This year has been growth for Chi Alpha, even though at one point there was a third of us that are, are present at any given time. And so even though we're on the outside smaller, the Lord is still multiplying things. Does that make sense? So never, never get down on what you see with your own eyes, because Jesus is doing some huge things in the background. So if you look, we did, uh, this is some things that we kicked off. This is a prayer uh, walk on campus this year. Obviously with COVID, we had to switch things up. Our focus has been fighting the spiritual battle because our battle is not against flesh and blood. When 40,000 students need to know Jesus, uh, if his spirit does not go before us, there's not much we can do. And so we kicked off this year in prayer. Uh, if you go to one of those next pictures, this is a student that last year in her core group, really just God did amazing things. Her name is Shayla. She's currently serving in your kids' ministry today. She just started volunteering. She serves in Chi Alpha. She loves Jesus. Uh, and we were just able to, to bring her in, help her get activated in her faith, serve God, commit to uh, being a true disciple. And so this is not only some fruit that happened on campus, but your support of Kyle and supporting missions is blessing your church. Does that make sense? So you're not just investing in the gospel somewhere around the world. This, she might be ministering to one of your kids today. Her love, her compassion, and that is just the body of Christ and how we all need each other. If you go to one of those next pictures, uh, if you go up, this is us. Uh, we rent a space on the edge of campus uh, where we serve coffee today, that we serve coffee as a level of outreach. Right now we have it as a to-go window, and uh, we have two tents outside, and students, if they're on campus, can come by, get coffee for free, uh, and just have a chance to build a relationship with us, and, and our prayer is get access to learning who Jesus is. This is one of our out, outside services. We have tents. All of our services are outside per FSU regulations. Uh, and so if you go to that next picture, that might be the last one. Uh, you'll see some pictures of all of us worshiping under two tents outside, uh, just lifting up the Lord. So COVID has impacted us. We have regulations from FSU. They're not holding Jesus back. Students are getting, uh, getting to know who Jesus is, and your giving still matters. Does that make sense? A lot of us think like, man, should I continue to give in missions? There's still people to be reached. 
So we have to do our part. Does that make sense? Uh, are there any more pictures? And if, if not, it's okay. Praise God. We'll wait. No. Nope. All right, we're done. That, that easy. I hope you have a little picture into the window of what it looks like for us to do outreach, to activate students in their faith, to let them be a conduit of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, we kicked off this year in prayer. One of the most phenomenal things that we've seen right now, FSU, if you work there, you could probably uh, comment on this. It feels almost like, this is no offense, it feels like a, a very large commuter school that doesn't have any commuter students at it. Uh, campus is, there is no life on campus, but there are still people that need to be reached, and we're reaching them. Students feel so alone. They're coming out. Man, you say free coffee, they love it. And so uh, it is just a way that we could just love people for Jesus. And so it's been a fun time. Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, will you open up to the book of Isaiah? And I'm going to be reading in chapter 5. Not to make a a hard swerve, but let's get into the Word of God today. Is that cool? And so on my heart, I see your missions convention. The time is now. This is what I've learned. Through the years, God's people, uh, we have several things Uh, that we can get complacent in, that we can uh, start to rest in, take slow, take easy. And God really has to shake us up. And it happened in the Old Testament. We're going to read a little bit later where it happened in the New Testament. And there's an illustration that God through prophets and even through Jesus uses about uh, how the world and his people are like a a well-planted vineyard. uh, And where, where God is expecting something from us and from our lives. Your life, you are not here just for yourself. You are not part of this community for what you can get. When you become a Christian, yes, the church blesses you. Yes, we're a part of the kingdom of God. But God activates all of us in our faith to be his witnesses. That is part of the core. Yes, Jesus makes you whole and healthy, uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically even. And that's just a testimony to the goodness of God. Because the truth is, without him... We can have uh, perfect physical health, but be dead spiritually. Only in God, only through Jesus, only with the work of His Holy Spirit, do me and you and all of us become truly alive. And there are moments that when we get so content and excited about the blessings of God in our lives, and we walk with God so long that we can forget that there is a purpose, and we start to think that things can be about us. You guys ready for this? Because it's going to be fun. I'm guilty of this at times. And you know what I do? I love that song, uh, the last song that we sung, because it really was such a posture of repentance. God, I'm sorry for making things about me. I'm sorry for how I just go through the motions. When you become a Christian, it's the beginning of your journey of repenting and, and, and giving your all to the Lord. And so let me say this. If you're ever... In, in a season where we lose that posture of repentance to God, uh, man, we can get in big trouble. And we're going to look at an illustration that God uses through his prophets and even Jesus himself of how the Lord has blessed us with everything that we need uh, and expects something from us in return and how we serve him. So Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, and this is what I'm reading. It's the song of the vineyard. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one has a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. God set the boundaries. He has created this world that we live in. He is creator. He is God. Uh, You do not have a, 
uh, any ability to go on living outside of God's sustaining power. All of us are here by the grace of God every moment. And so this is, God is using an illustration of the vineyard of how he's the one that created it all and has an expectation of how we function and live in his world. You guys with me? And he planted the vineyard, he removed all of the stones, he put in a healthy uh, choice vines, and he built a watchtower in it and cut a wine wine press in it as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. If you look even in the original language there, it would say stink fruit. So this is what the illustration that God has for his people in the Old Testament of, hey, I've I've made everything. I've planted you in the world that you live in. I have set a watchtower. This way you can protect everything that I've given you and you you have the capacity that you're not going to be sideswiped. COVID is not going to come at you and you're not going to be like, Uh, in a way, overwhelmed. God has set a watchtower. That means he's the one that looks out for his people. You get what I'm saying? And so this is an illustration that God wants to remind his people. And then it says that, you know, he builds the fence and he puts a wine press in it. He gives you everything you need to be successful in life to serve his purpose so his vineyard can flourish. But then when he went to look at the grapes, he had nothing but stink fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and you people of Judah in the Old Testament, this, this was the people of God who revealed his revelation uh, about who he was and how he was the creator of heaven and earth. Judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I have done for it? You know when God says, what more could I do for you for you to get it? You know that is a place of humility that we have to approach that. If God says, what more could I have done for you that you would have joined in with my vision, my purpose, why I created you, what my heart is? What more could I have done for you to get it? We can say it this way. We have sinned against God. All of us. The wages of sin is death. And there's no, not one righteous is what is said in the New Testament. Not one of us could have done it on our own. But God took the penalty of sin and death on himself through Jesus Christ and made us a way that we can find freedom and be restored to him. And if you're a Christian in this place and you know Jesus, let me challenge you with this. A lot of people say, God, but it's not fair. And God looks at us and says, I've paid the penalty. I've given you life. What more could I do? He's not saying it in an angry way, but he's saying it to shock us and to give us a place of humility of saying, okay, God, it's not about me. It's all about you. And I want to see how in the Old Testament, his people got distracted And so we're going to continue reading. What more could I have done for my vineyard? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. And this gets intense, and I'll explain it in a minute. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its walls, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and the briars and the thorns will grow there. I will not command the clouds not to... I will command the clouds not to rain on it. Verse 7, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah are the vines that he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. In other words, he 
planted, made everything prepared for us, redeemed them, loved them, blessed them. He looked for righteousness, but found only bloodshed. They were just murdering each other. They were selfish. They were greed. Their lives were about themselves. And it goes on, and this is what it says. I lost my place. I shouldn't move my finger when I'm doing this. He looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard the cries of distress, only heard mourning. Woe to you who add house to house and join field to field till no space is left, and you live alone in the land. The Lord Almighty has declared in my hearing, surely the great houses will become desolate, the fine mansions left without occupants. A 10-acre vineyard will produce only a bath of wine. A homer of seed will yield only an epoch of grain. Woe to those who rise early in the morning to run after their drinks, who stay up late at night till they are inflamed with wine. They have harps and lyres as their banquets, pipes and timbers and wine, but they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord. So in the Old Testament, because that just got heavier, like, whoa, God is like tearing apart this vineyard. And he goes into, he's tearing it apart. That talked about the nation of Israel, their exile, because they weren't living for the Lord. They weren't obeying his law, that he literally punished them and took them out of the land that he promised them. So God judged them. That's what that's talking about. Hey, I'm going to remove you from the land. You're not living Uh, you're not living for the purpose I had. And even it goes into the reason why they weren't living for their purpose. And it gets scary. It says, you know, you built mansion on mansion. You're just adding rooms to your houses. You're just buying up field after field. You're building your kingdom, not remembering that you're in my kingdom, my wine press. You're living for yourselves. And so what did the Lord do? He judged them and removed them out of their land. God is gracious. He gave it back years later, and you know the group of people that went back to Israel? You know the people that were so passionate about the law of God that they were fighting for the nation of Israel without relenting? You know what that group was called after the exile? Who was leading at that time? It was the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a group of people that said, man, we missed it. And so we're going to be so strict about what what God's law says. We're going to be so strict to follow everything to a T that we never lose what was ours ever again. And so they became really religious, really legalistic about how they walked with God. They made it all about rules because they didn't want to lose what was theirs again. So we have Israel, who becomes all about themselves. God judges them. Then you have a group of them says, hey, remember the deeds of the Lord. Remember how good he is. We should live for him again. And then they get legalistic, and they start beating each other up, giving all of these rules, and they become just as violent and just as guilty of bloodshed as they were in the Old Testament when they were just living for themselves. Now they were in the New Testament living for themselves, but in the name of God, which I think is even worse but it's okay. We don't ever do that as Christians, do we? Now you're like, man, that song of repentance was good. Let's flip in the New Testament to Jesus, uses the illustration of a vineyard. And let's see how he responded to these Pharisees in Matthew chapter 
21. Verse 33. Remember, God in the Old Testament says, what more could I have done for this vineyard? What more could I have done for it to have good grapes? I've done everything. I took out all the stones. You, I planted great vines. You had everything you needed for success. And they were exiled for their ambition. And hey, let me just pause here and say this. Because if you can, we can stumble over this. I'm not preaching against uh, levels of, of God's blessing in our lives. The nation of Israel, the promised land that they were given, was the land flowing with milk and honey. God does want to bless us. He doesn't have to, but it's in his heart. He's a good father. And so if you have a nice house, don't think I'm preaching against you today. If you have made investments, if you have a retirement, I'm not preaching against you. But what I am saying is, may we not go as far in the Old Testament as a people that were more concerned about what they had than they were about the purpose that God put them in this world. Am I making sense? So I don't want somebody to stumble thinking like, oh man, he's preaching against like, no, God wants to bless us. And even, you know, I grew up in church and this statement proves true. God will give more through you than he will give just to you. God wants to use you as a conduit of his love, of his blessing, of his mercy to the world around you. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Jesus pulls you into the ministry of reconcile, reconciling himself to others. That's our purpose. That's why we're in this wine press. That's why God has prepared everything and paved the way and did everything that was needed. But let's look in the New Testament, this group of Pharisees and how they responded to Jesus. Matthew 21, verse 33. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard out to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. Man, Jesus is, is telling this story again, and it's almost verbatim from Isaiah, giving an illustration of what the kingdom of God is really about. And this is what it says. The tenant seized his servant. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. And then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do with those tenants? I'm going to keep reading to verse 42. This is the response of the Pharisees. He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this. And it's marvelous in our eyes. Have you never read that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? It's such a big statement that Jesus makes there. Because there's only one way to approach God. There's another place where Jesus makes this statement about the cornerstone. Those who fall on this stone will be broken, but those on whom it falls will be crushed. There's only one way we can approach God, and that is in a a posture of humility. There's only one way to approach Jesus. There's only one way to live your life. 
And it's a posture of humility. You fall on Jesus. And he will break your pride, your selfishness. If you resist him, what is left? He crushes. Yes, Jesus brings grace. Yes, he loves us. He's done everything for us. He's given us himself. He's given us freedom from sin. But do we respond in the same way as in the Old Testament where we forget why we're here, why we're alive, why we're in this place in this season? Do we get overwhelmed by the circumstances? Do we get overwhelmed by our selfishness? Do we look to build our mansions? You know what Jesus says? In my Father's house, there are many mansions. God will take care of you. Don't live for pleasure. Don't live for goodness. Don't live for yourself in this life. When you become a Christian, everything we have, everything that we could ever dream of, is only possible through freedom in Jesus. We have a purpose in His vineyard, church. To steward what the Lord has given us, to spread His word, to yield good fruit. God wants to bless you. He wants to work through you. But will we yield? Will we allow ourselves to be broken? Or will we resist him, live for ourselves, and allow ourselves to be crushed? We can become like the Pharisees and think, man, it's about what I do and how I walk out the law. And man, I am do everything right. I'm a Christian. I, I said my prayers I pray at dinner. I'm good to people. But we could miss out and on the inside be building our own kingdom, our own pride, our own purposes, not investing in the Lord's kingdom and purposes. You get what I'm saying? We need to have in missions, we need to have a posture of humility, of serving, of giving, because again, God does not care God does not care about making us happy. He doesn't. He will bless us. He will do good things, but that is a byproduct, not the purpose of being Christian. Jesus did not die so you can have a better life. He died so you can actually become alive. In John chapter 3, it says this, Jesus did not come to condemn the world. It says that. But if you read on further, he says, the world already stands condemned. What does that mean? We couldn't do it on our own even if we wanted to. We have a way out. God has done everything to give us a way out. And me as a Christian, it's not just whether or not I have this mental ascent of I believe in Jesus. It's am I living out what Jesus has for us, the purpose of his church, the purpose of why we're here in this world. And that is to represent him and his kingdom and his gospel to everyone else. We're part of the job of reconciling others to Christ. God gives you freedom. You can live in the land of milk and honey. And the blessings that you have just proves that he is a good God, not that we could have done it on our own. May we not be deceived, church, and thinking that God is here to serve us. We are here to serve him. And can, are you willing to trust God with everything? That one day that it's not just your mansion that you're building but that it's his kingdom that you're building. And then the Lord gives you a place with him. And it's the greatest reward we can ever have.
We don't serve for heaven. We serve him because he's worthy, because he is the one who's created it all, has prepped everything for us to live, for us to produce good harvest. But when we make it about ourselves and our purpose and our wants and our desires, we could be like the Pharisees, so strict about how to be Christian, so strict of how to honor God and miss him as he's leading us through his spirit and what his purpose in this world truly is. And that is to make himself known. Am I challenging you today? Whatever it is that you're holding on to, whatever it is that you're building, that you are willing to lay it down for God's sake. I'm not trying to twist your arm into giving, but what I am trying to do is to show you how you need to be broken for God. How you have to honor him and understand that every blessing that he gives you is not just for your own sake. It's so that his gospel might be preached, that his word can go forward, that this world produces fruit that is in keeping with repentance, that the Lord has prepped the way he's done everything he can. What more do you want me to do? What more do you want me to do, says God? I've done everything I can. Will you commit in your life to producing good fruit? Because God has done everything in you and through you so you can do just that. Produce good fruit in keeping with repentance, being broken at the feet of Jesus, not crushed, broken. God didn't want to remove the Israelites out of Israel. God doesn't want any of us to face condemnation. He's done everything so we can avoid that. But we cannot dare make it about ourselves and our kingdom and our mansion and our purpose, our own purpose. We have to live for his. If you're willing, will you bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want to lead us in a prayer. Jesus, we know that yes, the time is now. Today is the day of salvation. We look at your word. We look at your scriptures. Help us to understand them. Help us to live out the truth that you have revealed to us in them. Guide us, God, by your spirit. My prayer is this. If there's any way that we are living for ourselves and not for you and your purpose and your kingdom, may you bring that to light so that we might repent. God, we don't repent so we produce things in ourselves. Lord, it's you that grow the vineyard. It's you that has planted it. You use us for a season. Help us to follow you. Help us to serve you. Help us to understand that this world is yours and the part that we play in it. We submit ourselves to you. Pray this. season, my wife and I uh, have started gardening. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I've never gardened. I wasn't there when it was cool and hip and like you had a rooftop garden. I had nothing. I, I didn't mess with dirt. We started gardening and because we're such novices and we're so new, uh, we, we planted some, I think it was zucchini and we didn't know the pests that for a few weeks come and attack those, the zucchini. They like to live within the plant. 
And when they get in the plant, they start to starve the plant of all of its nutrients and the moisture, and so the fruit just withers, and the plant starts to wither, and it just dies. And so we had for eight weeks, I think we had four zucchini out of three plants, which is not much. And so what did I do early in the year after I saw that, man, this thing has pests and it's just, it's not going to produce anything. I pulled it from the ground and I threw it in a compost bin. And when it has disease, actually, I didn't actually throw it in the compost bin. I threw it in the trash. Because if I would have let it go into the compost bin with those pests, anytime I use that new soil that would be produced from that growth breaking down, it would reintroduce that pest and I would continually have a problem in that crop. Am I making sense? And so I pulled them up early, way beyond their season, and I had to throw them out. Jesus uses this illustration that you'll be chopped down and burned. Like, hey, if you're only good for firewood, what good is for? It's not even good for a compost heap. That disease is just going to continue to spread. So I had some tomatoes. They did fine. They didn't have any pests. So I pulled those out, and it was, it was way early in the season. They had so much more potential, but I didn't know how to protect them. I had some tomatoes that definitely have lived past their prime. They produced a lot of, of beautiful tomatoes and fruit. And it just came to a point where it started to produce less and less, and it was like, hey, do we reinvigorate this ground, or what do we do? And we came to the conclusion that it's just this plant has served its season. And so just this week, probably six months, seven months after planting it, I pulled it up out of the ground. I threw it on the compost heap that it can break down and help to give new life to the plants that go in our new garden. I'm proud. I'm from Brooklyn. Don't judge me. That go in our new garden in the future. Why do I share this? Because this is the way that Jesus speaks about his kingdom, his world, that when we live for ourselves and the disease of sin gets a hold of us, It makes us not even useful. But this is the other thing that I know. You will not live forever and I will not live forever. But even though my days are numbered, I want them all to be for the Lord. I want to produce a good crop in the season and the season the place that God has planted me. I don't know how many days you have. I don't know what fruit and what crop you will produce. But may we humble ourselves and realize that we're on this planet for a season, for one purpose, to produce a crop for God, to reconcile others to himself. We just read about a group of people that built everything for themselves. Our days are numbered. You know what's cool? God is eternal. He cannot die. He was there at Adam, and he will be the one that ends history. It's not going to be some other disaster. It is God, if you read the end of the Bible. It is God who brings about the end. Who is worthy to undo this scroll? It's Jesus. So we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be worried about how this world comes to an end. What is our job? To produce the fruit in the season that we're in that the Lord asks us to produce. Jesus has done everything for you. Will you live your purpose in your life, whether it's short or whether it's 120 years? May you live it all for the Lord and produce the crop that he deserves.
because he has made us a way to be fruitful and to thrive in his creation. Amen, church? Will you guys leave us? Give Anthony thanks. Great, great work. First Corinthians says that there's a day that we stand before the Lord and He gives He gives rewards. And for for our work and our service here on the earth. And I, you know, I'd like to get an award. I'll just be glad to get into heaven. Anybody else? I'll just be glad. To, but but if there is any anything the Lord will bestow upon us you know at that point for the work that we've done but there's another scene in Revelation that always comes to my mind where the elders when they take their crown and they just throw it at the feet of Jesus just whatever we've done here man it's so insufficient so we're not thank you for that great word we're not here building our own man we're here for the kingdom of God today so hey this morning uh, just a couple things uh, for every um College age student, young adult, lunch is on us at Moe's on Tennessee Street. We'd love to have you. But I just want to pray for you this morning. What a, a, a great season of life. What a challenging season of life. But I just want to pray over you this morning. Just want to pray God's blessing and just ask the Lord's direction on your life. So, Lord, I thank you uh, for every college age student. Lord, maybe they're working, maybe they're in school. They're out of college. Lord, I just pray the hand of God upon them. Lord, when the the culture just kind of seems like it's so antagonistic to those of faith, Lord, I pray for strength. I pray, God, for a boldness that will come. Lord, I pray in a time that it seems, what doors do I go? I see no doors. I see multiple doors. Lord, I pray. I pray for clarity. Lord, I thank you for young adults. I thank you for these college-age students today. I pray the blessing of the Lord. Let it rest upon them. I pray that they're going to know you in a great way. And Lord, they're going to do something powerful for you. And I pray for all of them today. Lord, as they're kind of searching out, maybe trying to figure out God's plan and path. Lord, I pray at the right time there would be great clarity. But until then, Lord, I pray that you would build them. Lord, there would be depth in their walk and there would be passion in the way that they serve. And I pray over all of them today, Lord, and I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we close this morning, um, listen, there's a card in in front of you, your faith promise. I'm going to fill mine out uh, this morning. Uh, if you want to pray about it, we're going to be doing this for a couple more weeks. So if you want to do that, if you're watching online, you don't have a card, you can just send us an email with your name and what you want to give on a monthly basis. We give a little less than $5,000 a month to missions. So, uh, man, we, we need you to stand with us next year. We want to continue to uh, continue to bless our, congreg- our, bless our missions and missionaries. So, uh, man, if you can do that, if you can help us out, we would appreciate that. So would you stand? Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.